your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 310 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick, and there's no way to sugarcoat this one. This was among one of the worst losses of the season for the New York Rangers last night, a 4 nothing shutout defeat at the hands of the Boston Bruins. And I don't even really know where to start with this one. I don't know how we're going to pack all of this content into just a 30-minute episode, but we will do our best and just kind of dive right into it right here, right now. As far as positives for this game, there weren't too many. I have a very short list here. I thought the Rangers first shift of the game was pretty good. The Strom line was out there. They got the puck deep. They kind of went to work. It was a good first step. And I thought Keith Kincaid, once again, played pretty well in relief. Stopped 13 of 13 shots. I don't know that he had necessarily any of those uh, true highlight reel type saves, but hey, 13 saves on 13 shots is 13 saves on 13 shots. And I'd be surprised, uh, assuming Igor Shesterkin is not available for Saturday's game, and I have not heard that definitively one way or the other, but assuming that he is not available for Saturday's game, I, I don't know how you don't go back to Keith Kincaid at this point because Georgiev is just really in some kind of a funk right now. It's funny because he had actually gone through a pretty nice stretch. He had three consecutive starts for the Rangers where he allowed exactly two goals in all three of those games. So he was playing pretty well, and the wheels have just fallen off recently, just getting pulled out of these games left and right. And this time, he gets the hook early in the second period after he gives up four goals on just 14 shots. It's obviously not going to get it done. Look, the Rangers as a whole were not good in this game. I don't think he really got a ton of help either, but you got to make some of these saves. I don't think any of these four goals were completely 100% uh, unstoppable, if you will. I think he at least should have had at least a couple of these here and at least kept the Rangers in the game. Uh, alas, it does not happen that way. He gets pulled out of the game. The Rangers call a timeout at that point as well. Again, this is just five minutes into the second period, and the Rangers already down four nothing. Another issue last night is, and this is something that a lot of people were talking about on social media as well, a lot of people were pointing to a lack of effort from the Rangers, and I agree somewhat. I don't think the effort was necessarily as bad as the final score would indicate, but it was definitely lacking a little bit. We've definitely seen them come out with better effort than we saw in last night's game against the Bruins here, but I think the biggest issue with this team last night, more than lack of effort, which was something of an issue like we just said, but the biggest issue, lack of confidence. This team had no confidence in itself last night, and you saw how deflating it was for this team when the first goal went in for the Bruins. He got that goal from Pasternak from the blue line, and I know it's Pasternak. He's going to score goals. He's going to do what he does. He's one of the better players in the league, but that's a preventable shot. The Rangers, I thought up to that point, the first four minutes or so into the game, I, again, very small sample size, we're only four minutes in, but I thought the Rangers had looked better than the Bruins at that point in the game, and then after this goal was scored, it just kind of deflated everybody, and they just couldn't quite get back to that gear that they had in the first couple of minutes there, and then to really put the nail in the coffin, and I hesitate to say that because it only made the score two to nothing. But I felt like it kind of sealed the deal for the Rangers on this night, that shorthanded goal that they end up scoring where, you know, Marchand basically uh, dances around the entire Ranger team. And I realized, you know, Buchnevich was back on defense. That's not a position he's used to being in and going up against one of the better players in the NHL once again. But Marchand, you know, wheezes around everybody, passes in front to Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron buries it, scores shorthanded. The Bruins almost got a second shorthanded goal on that same power play for the Rangers. And I believe, I think that was... 
it was either the third or fourth time. I'm gonna have to look this up, but it was either the third or the fourth shorthanded goal that the Bruins have scored against the Rangers this season, and that was only game number five of these two teams playing each other. So that's ridiculous. Uh, that's something that cannot continue to happen if the Rangers are gonna have any hope of beating this team. And you know what last night's game was? When when you really look at it, when you really break this thing down, consider this: Boston had only won three of its last 10 games coming into this game last night. They were really having some issues scoring goals. They had certain players that were struggling and just having issues getting their season off the ground, so to speak. This was a get-right game for the Boston Bruins, and it makes me sick to have to say that, especially when you consider all the nonsense that the Bruins have pulled against the Rangers last season. But, you know, there might be some people who might not know what I mean by that, a get-right game. It's a term that you hear in sports every now and then. I think you hear it in football probably more than than other sports, but it it can certainly apply uh, to hockey or or any other sport as well. But basically what it is, you have a team, a good team, that's kind of just struggling. They're scuffling. They don't have their A game. something's just a little off, basically. And in football, you hear it a lot. You know, maybe there's a team that's, you know, two and two in their last four games and they haven't really played all that well. Or maybe maybe they're even three and two in their last five games. Let's use that as an example. But they just, they're not firing on all cylinders. They're sloppy. The quarterback is uh, struggling. There's no pass rush. And then you have a game where everything just clicks and the quarterback throws for four touchdowns and the pass rush is back. And uh, this running back who's been struggling, he breaks off a long run. You know, whatever it might be, it's a get right game where good team that had been struggling gets everything back together. That's what this was last night. That's what this was for the Boston Bruins. Because think about this. Once again, you got a team that top to bottom has been struggling to score goals in recent games. They've only won three out of their last 10 contests. And you've also, if you look at individual players, David Krejci had not scored a goal for the Boston Bruins all season. What does he do? He scores a goal here against the New York Rangers to make the score three to nothing. Jake DeBrusque. DeBrusque has really fallen out of favor with Boston, or at least it would seem that way, you know, kind of as an outsider looking in. I don't watch every single Boston and Bruins game, but the fact that Jake DeBrusque was a healthy scratch, I think that tells you everything you need to know about what they feel about his recent performance, and what happens? Jake DeBrusque scores a goal against the Rangers, so you get both those guys rolling, and really, it wouldn't matter that much from the Rangers' perspective, I mean, other than the fact that they're giving up these goals, it wouldn't matter if like certain players on the Bruins are getting rolling at the Rangers' expense, if not for the fact that the Rangers play this very same Boston Bruins team tomorrow afternoon And now you've got two guys that were really scuffling for the Bruins. They both just scored goals. They're feeling a lot better for themselves. And this already daunting task of beating this Boston Bruins team that is quite simply just better than the Rangers, now it becomes even more daunting and even more of a challenge. I don't know how the Rangers bounce back from a performance like this. I think that if they do, uh, they should definitely be commended for it because this game was ugly. I mean, this was among one of the worst losses of the season for this New York Ranger team. And again, I, I touched on this a couple of minutes ago here. It was very disappointing to basically just be a sparring partner for the Boston Bruins and just be this kind of get-right game for the Bruins because think of all the nonsense that the Bruins have pulled against the Rangers this season. Whether it's Marchand, I mean, I don't need to cite specific examples. I will cite one specific example. So there was a game earlier this season. It was the game where Artemi Panarin got injured, um, couldn't really play. He tried to go out there for the power play for one shift in the third period, but he was in a lot of pain, tried to gut it out. And you got Brad Marchand basically attacking Artemi Panarin. You know, real tough guy. Uh, attack and injured Artemi Panarin. Or whether it's Frederick and, you know, he's just begging for somebody to pay attention to him with all the nonsense he pulls after the whistle. Or whether it's Nick Ritchie, who all season has been accidentally on purpose targeting the heads of our goalies and falling on top of our goalies. And you allow this team to basically just use you as a game to get themselves right. It just makes you sick to have to think about that as a Ranger fan. 
And on top of all that, you know, Nick Ritchie, he's kind of public enemy number one for Ranger fans right now as far as the Bruins are concerned because of all the nonsense he's pulled, you know, with the Ranger goalies. It was his penalty in the first period that the Bruins ended up scoring shorthanded. And again, it just makes you sick as a Ranger fan because as he takes this penalty, it's like, okay, Richie just took a stupid penalty, an offensive zone penalty. Let's make this goon pay for this. He's got to sit down for two minutes. Let's get back into this game. Let's tie this thing up. Let's get rolling here. And instead, the Bruins get a shorthanded goal 26 seconds into the Ranger power play. So not only do the Rangers not make Nick Ritchie pay for taking the penalty, they allow the Bruins to score a goal. And, and then they almost get another one on the same Nick Ritchie penalty. So I don't know, man. It, there's so much to talk about here today. We are really just getting started, and uh, we're going to dive into I know David Quinn came under fire from some Ranger fans on social media last night as far as some of the moves he made and some of the moves he did not make, and we're going to talk about all that as well in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, on the one-year anniversary of the NBA shutting down due to COVID, an NCAA team is forced out of the tournament due to a positive test. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. I had a thought while watching this game last night, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And this was before the game was completely out of control and all hope was lost and all that. Uh, it was actually only in the first period, and the Bruins were only up one to nothing when I had this thought. But it's the fact that this season, with this weird, you know, four divisional lineup where there's only division matchups, and you know the Rangers only have seven different opponents for the entire regular season, every single night the Rangers are the underdog. And that's barely an exaggeration. The only time right now where the Rangers are going to be, uh, you know, as far as like betting lines, our, our friends at betonline.ag, the only time where they would pick the Rangers as the favorite for a game, I think, is against Buffalo, whether it's home or away. Because, I mean, if, if you think the Rangers have problems, look at the Buffalo Sabres. So I think regardless of where they play the Sabres, the Rangers would be the favorite. Against the Devils, I mean, I'm sure probably in Madison Square Garden, the Rangers would be favored. I think that's fair. In New Jersey, though, I think maybe the Devils might be a slight favorite. I mean... Again, I would have to check the betting lines uh, the next Rangers-Devils game. But any of these other five teams that the Rangers are playing this season, they're not going to be the favorite team. They're going to enter every single game as the underdog. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just stating a fact. I mean, these five other teams are clearly ahead of the Rangers right now. And what makes it worse, and it goes back to what we talked about in the intro here, the lack of confidence for the Rangers, the Rangers seemed fully aware of that last night. It seemed like they knew they were going up a team that is just flat out better than they are, and they just had no answer. They had no confidence. They just they just looked very hesitant out there to really engage in this game. And again, I, I you could talk about a little bit of a lack of effort. I think that's fair to an extent. To me, more than anything, this game showed a complete lack of confidence for this Ranger team, and it's going to be tough to turn it around in, uh, you know, what is it, 36 hours until they play the Bruins again between when last night's game ended and when tomorrow's game starts. So it's going to be tough. Um, 
And, you know, you look at this division again, and, and, and we talked about all offseason about how good this division is going to be and how stacked it is. It wasn't just like, you know, hyping up this division for the sake of hyping up this div division. It's the real deal. And, and you know, going into the season, we all expected it. And now that the season is underway, it's basically been confirmed. This is definitely, I would say, the toughest division in the NHL this season, and the Rangers are suffering for it. And, I mean, you look at the five teams ahead of them in the standings, I mean, can anyone sit here and say that we believe that the Rangers are a better team than the Bruins or the Penguins or the Capitals or the Islanders or the Flyers? I mean, maybe some of you think that they are, and maybe you feel that this Ranger roster has underachieved and that deep down they are better or you know, at least on the same level with some of the teams that I just mentioned. But again, I don't see the Rangers being betting favorites against any of those five teams for the rest of the season, whether they play at home, on the road, or on the moon. Those teams have just flat out been better than the Rangers this season. And I think overall, when you look at the rosters, those teams are probably better. And that's why we talked about it is going to be such an uphill battle to try to make the playoffs if you're the Rangers in this division. But let's go ahead and uh, get into some of these coaching decisions, and I don't think this is exactly a banner night for David Quinn. It really wasn't a banner night for anybody associated with the New York Rangers last night. But first of all, let's start with the healthy scratches, and then we'll kind of work our way to some of the in-game management because I get the feeling that that's probably what a lot of people want to hear about uh, here today after you know this just awful loss. But for starters, you've got Jack Johnson and Philip DiGiuseppe as the healthy scratches. I don't have any issue Scratching Jack Johnson, I, again, I think I, he could be in a little bit of a rotation with guys like Brennan Smith and Libor Hayek. We'll see how they look to play it going forward. Maybe Johnson's back out there on Saturday. It is a tough physical Boston Bruins team after all, and it's somewhat fair to expect some trouble. I expect the Rangers, they got to come out with more fire on Saturday than they did in this game last night. And maybe having somebody who's big and physical out there like Jack Johnson would bode well for this New York Ranger team. So uh, Johnson, you know, We'll see what happens there. As far as him being a healthy scratch last night, I didn't have any problems with it. It's funny, though, because you go on social media, and this is only a select few, but I did see a couple people upset that Jack Johnson was a healthy scratch. They were saying, well, he scored a goal in his last game. How, how, do you, how are you going to scratch him in the next game? Johnson's goal was a shot from the blue line that deflected off the skate of a Pittsburgh Penguin uh, player and went into the net. So I don't think that reason alone is enough to get Jack Johnson out there. And Johnson has played better recently. Uh, maybe you're of the belief that he should have been out there last night. But, I mean, the way that basically all of us, all of us Ranger fans kind of vilified Johnson at the start of the season, I don't think that after he scores one fluky goal, you can then turn around and start pounding your fists on the table and demanding that he be active on game night, you know, for this game against the Bruins last night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no issues with Johnson being the healthy scratch. And then Philip DiGiuseppe, I would have liked to have seen him out there because, again, you're going up against a team you've had problems with this season, a team that uh, the games have gotten nasty. They've gotten chippy. It's been very physical. I think Philip DiGiuseppe is the kind of guy you want on the ice for a game like this. And, I mean, Brett Howden's still out there, and I just... I don't even know what to say. And that kind of leads me into the next point that I want to make here because there were a lot of people who were upset with David Quinn with some of the line adjustments he made during the game, and I agree. Just some strange decisions, and that's kind of been a theme this season. I don't think Quinn did this so often last season. And granted, the Rangers were scoring goals at a higher clip last season than they are this season, but be that as it may, uh, I think Quinn let guys together long enough to figure it out last year. And this year, for whatever reason, it feels like he's always got his hand on the trigger and he's always, you know, shuffling the lines. I don't even know how he can keep track of it, who he's putting with who and, and you know, who's supposed to be out there on what line. But, yeah, I mean, just a little bit too much of it. I don't think you're giving these guys enough time to build chemistry when you're changing their lines 
10 minutes into the game, and some of these guys have only been out there for maybe like two, three shifts tops. So I don't know. I, I wish he'd kind of stick it out with certain line combinations and, again, just kind of let these guys figure it out and let them try to get rolling. I think the most egregious thing he did last night was dropping Alexi Lafreniere down to the fourth line and putting him with Brett Howden and also Colin Blackwell. And Blackwell, listen, he got off to a hot start for the Rangers this season. His production has obviously dipped in recent games, although you could say that for basically every player in the Rangers. Every player on the Rangers has seen their production drop in these last three games because the Rangers only have three goals in their last three games. And with Blackwell, I mean, you know, he was up in a top six role and was playing fairly well, playing very well, actually. You know, he's off to a really nice start for this team. It was a nice story. Obviously, there's a little bit of a numbers game going on right now. He drops down the lineup to the fourth line. But again, you're going to put Alexi Lafreniere with Brett Howden, who has never done anything in his NHL career except be good at killing penalties. And you're going to put him with Colin Blackwell, who, again, you know, it's a nice story. He got off to a nice uh, start with this team. But facts are facts. Colin Blackwell is 27 years old, and he's played, what, like 40-something games in his NHL career? Not saying he can't be a late bloomer. Not saying he can't help this Ranger team going forward. But... To me, that doesn't sound like you're you're setting up Alexi Lafreniere for success. And there might be some people who hear this and think like, oh, well, you know, Alexi Lafreniere, he's kind of been a, a disappointment this season. You know, he, he was off to a really terrible start. Yeah, he was off to a lackluster start with the Rangers this season, obviously struggling to produce points, but that had changed. He had gotten rolling in recent games. He was on fire. He had a really nice six-game stretch not too long ago where he scored three goals and dished out three assists, so he was a point per game. Again, it's a small sample size. It's only six games, but when you talking about a player of Alexi Lafreniere's caliber. Everybody talks about him as a generational talent, and you know he's just going to hit the ground running in the NHL, and he was beginning to do that. He had a really hot stretch there where he was just making things happen, and it went beyond the points. He was just playing very solid hockey in all aspects of the game, and you're going to stymie that by putting him on a line with Brett Howden? He's this close to spreading his wings and just kind of taking off at the NHL level, and you stymie that by dropping him down the lineup and putting him on the fourth line. I, I just cannot wrap my head around that. And this is coming from somebody who has really defended David Quinn on this show quite a bit. I, I will continue to defend him overall. Look, the Rangers are at a low point in their season right now. They're struggling. It doesn't help that they don't have Artemi Panarin and Igor Shesterkin. They do have to play better than this. I do like David Quinn overall. For the most part, I think he's done a pretty good job with this team. I think there are players on this team who have developed under David Quinn's watch, but you this is inexcusable, man. You cannot put Alexi Lafreniere on the fourth line with Brett Howden. You're never going to get the best out of him if that's going to be your role for him. And I heard Quinn talk about this after the game. He mentioned that, you know, the, the Bruins' top line, they were kind of having their way with the Rangers and that he wanted to put Kreider and Mika and Buchnevich back together to try to, you know, counter the uh, the Bruins' perfection line and uh, kind of slow them down a little bit. Okay, fine, but it doesn't have to also mean that you dropped Alexi Lafreniere down to the fourth line. And when he did that, he put Brennan Lemieux on the second line rather than Alexi Lafreniere. And I like Lemieux. You guys know that. Anybody who's listened, I... I Love the fact that he's back with the Rangers on this new two-year deal. I think, uh, you know, he brings a lot of intangibles to the ice. But come on, what is the justification here going with Lemieux in a top-six role instead of Alexi Lafreniere? We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at Built Bar on Twitter. Remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar.
Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. One other question that I got to propose to all you guys after this game last night is why was Artemi Panarin not playing in this game? Like, I realized, listen, he went through something horrible. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know, having these horrible and seemingly, I don't want to say 100%, but seemingly very seemingly baseless accusations, terrible accusations levied against him. Uh, That would obviously shake you up a little bit. He asked for a two-week leave of absence from the Rangers, and he got it. And for whatever reason, and it sounds like this was David Quinn's decision as well, uh, he didn't want Artemi Panarin to play in last night's game. And I get it. You know, Panarin's been away for a while. He's been away for two weeks. He's been dealing with a lot of things. But if he's back at practice, I mean, he's not injured, right? I mean, I, I don't see any real reason why the Rangers had to hold him out of last night's game. If, if he's if he's there, he's with the team, he's practicing, What is gained for Panarin? What is gained for the Rangers by not playing him in last night's game? I mean, do you guys think Artemi Panarin could have helped the Rangers a little bit last night? I'd say so, because this game, you know, the Rangers get shut out. This is one of those games, you watch it, and you feel like the game could go six periods and the Rangers still weren't going to score a goal. It just wasn't going to go in the net. And you've got a team that's scuffling. They've lost two in a row to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you've got your best player, the guy that should have been the league MVP last season, coming back. He's now available. It's crunch time. You're slipping further and further out of this playoff race with these two consecutive losses to the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the teams that you're trying to track down, and you have an opportunity to put Artemi Panarin back out there against another team that you're chasing, and a very good team at that, the Boston Bruins. And you don't do it. And look, maybe there's more than meets the eye here. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to go too far with this because I acknowledge the fact that Artemi Panarin went through something serious, and it, that had to be just horrible hearing those uh, accusations levied against you, and then beginning to fear for the lives maybe of your relatives in Russia. But if he's back with the team, he's in Boston. You know, he was at practice. I saw him smiling. He seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Then. I just don't know why he couldn't have played in last night's game. And again, it seems like a coaching decision more than an Artemi Panarin decision. So I don't know. I I just had to propose that question to you guys because I don't have the answer for it. But I just had to kind of float that question out there and just openly wonder here why Artemi Panarin was not in the game last night. Just a couple other closing thoughts for you guys here before we wrap up for the day. First of all, uh, you look at the Rangers offense or lack thereof over these last three games. It really is crazy because... The Rangers, you know, they were rolling. They had won their third straight game. They beat the Devils 6-3. to They scored six goals. And in the three games since then, they have a grand total of three goals. And only one of those goals was clean. It was the early goal scored by Mika Zibanejad in the first of the two games against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He scored about a minute and a half into that game uh, on a rush into the zone. Nice play there. Great. But since that goal... The Rangers have not scored a clean goal in any of these games that have followed. In the rest of that first Penguins game, and then you had the second Penguins game, the Rangers scored two goals, but both of them, again, we talked about this, deflected off the skate of a Penguins defenseman and into the net, and that was it. And then, of course, last night, you get shut out by Yaroslav Halak, who turns into Dominic Hasek in his prime every time the Rangers play the Bruins. So, 
The Rangers have basically gone three hours, or almost three hours, I guess two hours and 58 minutes without scoring a clean goal. Again, when you take last night's game, no goals at all. The game before that, two goals off the skate of a defenseman. And basically, just about the entire game before that, when the only goal that the Rangers scored came in the first minute and a half. So basically, we're at about two hours and 58 minutes of gameplay without the Rangers scoring a, uh, a clean goal. And I mean, I just it just befuddles you because this is a team that was on fire. They they were clicking. Everybody was contributing. I think they had like 11 guys jump onto the score sheet in that game against the Devils. I realize the Devils are clearly not as good as the Penguins or Bruins, but how does it all just fall apart like that? It, this The inconsistency of this team, and we talked about it last year, it was like playing roulette. You never knew which Ranger team was going to show up on any given night. It's basically like that this year too, and it, they're just in one of these funks right now. And again, you know, we just got done talking about Panarin. It would have been nice to have him last night, but let's hope that he's at least back out there on Saturday. I, I don't know what the reasoning would be if Panarin's not back out with the Rangers on Saturday. This team desperately needs wins. They desperately need offense. They desperately need Artemi Panarin back on the ice. One area where I will defend David Quinn, I saw some people, you know, saying that, uh, you know, Alex Georgiev should have been pulled from this game, uh, you know, after the third goal rather than the fourth goal, and, you know, maybe that he shouldn't have started at all. Maybe that they should have gone to Keith Kincaid. They had to go back to Georgiev for this game. Georgiev is in all likelihood a bigger part of this team's future than Keith Kincaid is. You know, Kincaid's there for organizational depth and presumably to be the goalie that the Rangers make available to Seattle for the expansion draft. And so I think you had to go back to Georgiev to try to give him a little shot of confidence. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. He left in quite a bit of soft goals. And after the third goal, I mean, yeah, you can definitely make a case that Georgiev should have been yanked right then and there. But I think at that point, you know, Quinn's in a tough spot because he doesn't want to keep pulling Georgiev out of game after game after game, and then his confidence is really shot. I think he wanted to try to give Georgiev and the Rangers themselves uh, a chance to work through it, work through that uh, 3 nothing deficit there, but then he gives up another one, what was it, like a minute, minute and a half later? So at that point, I don't think there was much of a choice. You had to pull Georgiev. So again, you know, you could definitely make a case that Georgiev should have been pulled after the third goal, but I was actually okay with it. I like the idea of trying to let Georgiev work through it. Listen, if he shuts the Bruins down for the rest of the game after that third goal, then, you know, maybe he, his confidence is back where you need it to be, and, you know, maybe he's uh, got something good that he can build off of going into his next start. And as far as Igor Shosturkin and Artemi Panarin and their availability for Saturday's game against these very same Boston Bruins, I don't see any uh, concrete confirmation one way or the other as far as whether they're going to be available or not. We'll just have to keep our eyes on that. Fingers crossed, obviously, that Panarin's back in the lineup. I mean, with Panarin, I, again, I don't know everything that's gone on behind the scenes. I don't know all the conversations that David Quinn has had with Artemi Panarin, that Artemi Panarin has had with the Rangers, so on and so forth. But when he's back at practice, you know, and you're desperate for these wins, I think you got to put him out there. And I think, you know, especially after this performance on Thursday, you got to have him out there on Saturday afternoon. If he's not there, then I just, I don't even know what to say at that point. And again, I do sympathize with everything that Artemi Panarin has gone through. I'm sure that was absolutely awful, everything that he had to endure for that. Um, just having what appear to be completely made up allegations and very serious allegations levied against you. I cannot stress that enough. I get it. I get everything he's gone through. I didn't say one word against him taking that two-week leave of absence when he took it, but he's back now, and the Rangers need him, and Quinn has to put him on the ice. Artemi Panarin does not need a couple of practices to remember how to play hockey. He's one of the best players in the world. we got to have him out there on Saturday against this Boston Bruins team. And as for Igor Shosturkin, I mean, again, you know, we dodged a bullet. The fact that he's only day-to-day, -day, uh, that looked like that could have been a season-ender, that injury that he had against the Devils there. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he's available, and hopefully he's between the pipes on Saturday. I think, obviously, at this point, he would give the Rangers their best chance to win, and 
for us Ranger fans right now, there's nothing to do really except just keep our fingers crossed and hope that Panarin and Igor are indeed both back out there on Saturday against this Boston Bruins team. So that's going to do it for today, guys. I mean, I know I usually come on here. I'm usually glass half full. I usually try to be positive. I usually stand up for Quinn. I usually stand up for the players. But, I mean, there wasn't much positive to take out of this game against the Bruins. It was the third straight loss for the Rangers and just uh, a completely lackluster performance. And again, just not too many positives that you could pull out of that loss last night. So again, I apologize that this had a little bit more of a negative tone in this episode than you guys are used to hearing from me. But you know what? Let's bounce back. Let's salvage uh, this road trip. If they win on Saturday against Boston, they've at least gone three and three on the road trip and you at least split a uh, road series against this Boston Bruins team. They lose the first one. They win the second one. They get a split on the road against a very good team. So fingers crossed that they can do that. And of course that Artemi Panarin and Igor Shesterkin will be back out there. But yes, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, this is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll see you next time.